Hello, welcome to Center Valley Physicians Podcast. My name is Nicole Butler, and I'm the Executive Director of Fresno Madera Medical Society. And today we have Dr. Rodriguez here. Um, he's a family medicine physician from Kaiser here in Fresno, and we're going to talk about diabetes. Welcome. Thank you so much for having this. It's great. Thanks. Thanks for coming. So diabetes is a big topic, and I know we probably won't even get through a lot of it um, today, but um, but I do think it's important because I know that um, diabetes is rapidly growing in the in the area as a health problem, and um, and I hear a lot more of it these days than you know say ten years ago when it comes to the general population. Can you kind of give me an idea of what? Um, two, it's kind of a two-part question. How many um, adults have diabetes, and why do you think that that is growing here in the valley? You know, here in the valley, we have about fifty-one percent of the population is Latino, and diabetes affects Latinos and other communities disproportionately. Uh, and that may be a lot of lifestyle issues, um, access to health care, um, a lot of barriers to health care as well within our communities here in Fresno County. But overall, nationwide, there's about 30 million people living with diabetes. And the sad news is that about 6 million, 6 to 7 million of those 30 million that have diabetes don't know they have diabetes yet. So it's very important for everybody to have their annual screens that, it inc- that includes a diabetes check. And how, is, how, how does one test for diabetes? So the best way to test for diabetes is a blood test, a fasting blood test, first thing in the morning after fasting for 12 hours. Okay. And it's just, you know, like you, you would get that type of blood test when you would go in for a, like a primary care physical and they'll test you at that point. So you don't have to ask for it, I guess that's what I'm saying. Absolutely. So most of the time, even if you're not at risk, it's good to be checked for it. So a lot of times maybe there's nobody in your family who has diabetes, but if you're you or your doctor not suspecting it, you may not run the test, but it is a good thing to ask for it. Even if, uh, if it's part of the routine, um, test, it doesn't hurt to ask for it. So, um, there's two types of diabetes, type one and type two, really creative ways of di- uh, giving them a diverse name. Can you tell me what the difference is between type one and type two? Absolutely. So type one diabetes affects mostly children. And this type of diabetes uh, occurs because the children lose the ability to produce insulin. And they lose that ability very early on in their childhood, usually around by age four or five, maybe as late as 10 years of age, they cannot make insulin anymore. So these children are insulin dependent. They need insulin to survive. Without insulin, they would basically just wither away and eventually die. Uh, Thankfully, there's plenty of insulin, many different types of insulins that can cure this disease uh, or help manage this disease, I should say. And the second type of uh, insulin, I'm sorry, the second type of diabetes is diabetes type 2, and this is generally an adult-onset diabetes where people are insulin-resistant. So their body's still making insulin, but their body just cannot use it as well uh, as, uh, as when it's being made in enough quantities or a, a good quality insulin. And then these people usually require oral pills for management of their diabetes, and some also need insulin as well. So in the type 2 diabetes with the adults, is that, um, I mean, is that like a given as you get older and if, are there things that you should be doing to avoid it or is it just, it's just bad luck? Well, definitely as we get older, our ability to control sugar because of insulin resistant increases. So the highest incidence of diabetes type 2 is in our elderly population, 65 years of age and older, but anybody's at risk. 
Even our teenagers who may be overweight are at risk. And that's one of the biggest risk factors for diabetes type 2 is being overweight. Uh, lifestyle plays a huge role in uh, acquiring diabetes. There is some genetic component, but if you're able to modify your lifestyle, you could pretty much prevent diabetes from starting in the first place. Okay. And that, that would probably be my next question, but I want to talk about some of the symptoms. What, what should somebody look for um, to, you know, just to, to kind of give them a self-check and, hey, this, I, could be, I could be diabetic? Or, and then my next thing is, you know, what are some of those lifestyle changes that somebody could make if they feel like that's oncoming? Mm-hmm. So some of the symptoms that uh, oftentimes occur initially when b- diabetes is just beginning is excessive thirst excessive urination, unexplained weight loss, um, fatigue, dizziness. Those kind of things are the very first signs that occur when somebody has diabetes, but they don't know they have it just yet. Okay. And that, that's somebody, once again, older in age. So some of these, some of these symptoms may be just something of, of an aging individual too. Yeah, they're very uh, common symptoms that could be due for many different things. But if you have that combination of weight loss, uh, excessive thirst, excessive urination, having to get up in the middle of the night to go urinate, then the likelihood of you having diabetes is relatively high. So it's better to go get checked than to second guess yourself. I'm going to have to go get checked now. <laughs> okay, so so let's talk about some of the, the the lifestyle changes somebody could make if they if they have been told they're at risk for diabetes or they have been recently diagnosed with diabetes. I'm glad you brought up that point because there's about 84 million people in the United States who are considered pre-diabetic. And these people their sugar is off just a little bit, which means they have insulin resistance already. But we can prevent diabetes in these 84, uh, 84 million people across the United States simply by altering your diet and altering your exercise. Um, and basically, when it comes to diet, we want you to eat good balanced meals that are not high in carbohydrates. And with the exercise, is basically doing 30 minutes of uh, moderate activity a day for five days a week. The, the nutrition piece, and these are two things that you hear in every single one of these podcasts. How do you avoid heart disease? How do you avoid, you know, this? it's always diet and exercise. And these are things that I think that everybody, I, I struggle with, so I know everybody struggles with. Is it, is it um, as extreme of a, of a change or a lifestyle change, like if somebody that just had a heart attack, can they ease into like a better diet and take, you know, some of the carbs out? Or can they ease into the exercise? I mean, what would you recommend first? Absolutely. And I think easing into anything is the best way to go. If you do a drastic diet, you'll probably sustain it for a couple of weeks or even a month, but then most of us revert back to our old ways. So if you make small changes, um, every couple, every couple of weeks, introduce a new change to your diet. It's much more likely that you're going to succeed at sustaining that for the rest of your life. And so first try cutting out sodas or sweet drinks, which include juices or teas, Uh, And then work on consuming less sweets and then work on consuming less potatoes and rice and beans and pasta because those are supposedly complex carbohydrates. But if you have too much of those, those could also affect diabetes. Right. And, you know, some some people like me, that's all your diet consists of. And, you know, so you do have to. Um, introduce new things. And it's a struggle. I mean, I think everybody struggles with with changes. And there's so many um, 
opportunities to have bad food choices sitting right in front of you. Absolutely. And it all starts with uh, going shopping. When you go to the grocery store, don't buy the soda. Don't buy the sweets. And if they're not at home, you won't be as tempted to, to consume them. Yeah, I, I cut out um, sodas, I don't know, it's probably been four or five years, and I don't think about it anymore, but it, and then you get to the next one. Well, let's cut out sweets. I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm ready for that one quite yet, but you yeah, know, little it, by takes, little. it takes time. Definitely yeah, takes time. So let's talk about if somebody does have um, diabetes and, and what you mentioned that there was a, a pill form of it. Um, but there, I know there's there's also insulin. Is that something that is somebody that is a, a you know, a higher level of diabetes, or I don't know how does it, what's the difference? So for type two diabetes, uh, and if it's relatively not far advanced, then we do start with oral medications. Oral medications offer a great uh, alternative to insulin in the proper patient. Basically, the only thing that controls blood sugar is insulin, whether it's your own natural insulin or injectable insulin. And all the oral medications do is they prompt your body or stimulate your body to make more insulin. And at some point uh, in people with type 2 diabetes, your body may run out of that ability to make insulin, at which point then we suggest or recommend the patient to start injecting insulin. Because again, insulin is the only thing that can control the the sugar levels. Okay. So, um, you know, the, you think back, and I don't, I only know a handful of people that have diabetes and um, one of them's on the the medication and the other one is on insulin is it is it um, is it a huge learning curve I mean I know there's a ton of technology out there now for for people that have to um, you know read their blood sugar and test themselves every day Mm -hmm. but is it you know do you find that uh, it's becoming easier now it is a little bit easier, um, and it, it goes back to each person's individual's ability and educational level and resources. Uh, for a lot of the patients here in Fresno County, the educational level is not very high. Uh, the resources are marginal, and so they may not have access to all the greatest and latest equipment and monitoring uh, services. So a lot of times we rely on the good old glucometer and checking your blood sugar two or three times a day and then making adjustments based on those numbers. But it can be done even with just a basic glucometer. Um, as long as you're checking your sugars regularly, we can make recommendations on how to adjust your medications to maximize your diabetes care. So um, I want to go back to, because I have two questions and I'm going to divert back to the other um the nutrition piece of it. So somebody that does have diabetes, type two diabetes and changes their, their eating habits and changes their, their lifestyle and adds in a form of exercise, they can actually cure themselves. Is that true? Um, I guess we could put the word cure in quotes, uh, because once you're diagnosed with diabetes, you have it for life. Okay. Now, let's say that you're very overly obese and you cut back on your diet, you lose 100 pounds, you, your numbers may now be in the normal range where we could say, oh, you no longer have diabetes. But as soon as you go back to your old ways of eating unhealthy and gaining that weight, the diabetes is going to be right back. So okay. it's still in your system. But if you make those changes and, and continue those changes throughout your life, you may not need medications to control your diabetes. You may just be able to, to control diabetes through your diet and your exercise. Okay. And there, there, um, that insulin that, that you're now producing is, is back and, and producing 
on your own because of the better eating habits and the exercise and, you know, losing weight if they're, if they're obese. Absolutely. So if my body's having to produce a certain amount of insulin for a certain weight, and if I lose that weight, now my, that same amount of insulin that my body's producing is going further because there's less mass to, that it has to uh, work on. Okay. So the, the lighter I am, the more beneficial the amount of insulin I have is going to be for my body. Okay. That makes sense. So let's talk about the education piece of it, because you said that, you know, and I know that education for a lot of, of diseases or a lot of illnesses is difficult for some of the population. What type of education is out there for somebody that, that is either at risk for diabetes or that has been diagnosed for diabetes um, outside of their healthcare provider? That's a great question because we all feel, I think all the doctors here in Fresno County do a great job of providing excellent education to the patient that's sitting in front of them in the exam room. But how do we reach those patients who are working Monday through Friday and cannot come in to the exam room? And for that, we rely a lot on health fairs, on electronic uh, media, a lot of social media. Um, I tweet in English and Spanish about healthcare related to the Latino community. So I put a lot of information out there about diabetes and other health conditions. Uh, and there's a lot of other resources, but I feel that our patients may not have access to them, either because they don't have access to the internet, or if they do, they don't know where to look. Right, right. Are there any, if, if somebody does have access to the internet, is there a, a website that could help them, or should they just... Uh, check with their doctor because I know like the hospital websites don't really have a lot of detailed information when it comes to um, any type of diagnosis just because there's so many of them out there I mean they would have to be I think the American Heart I'm um, sorry the American Diabetic Association website uh, would have some useful information um, if people go to um, Places like WebMD and things like that, they may not get the most accurate information. So I would stick more to national organizations okay. like the American Diabetic Association. The American Heart Association would also have uh, some general guidelines on how to diagnose it, how to treat it. Um, and then within our Kaiser Permanente website at kp.org, we also would have a lot of information on diabetes and diabetes management. What... Um and do you, is your patient load, do you see a lot of diabetic patients? A lot. Um, being a, a bilingual doctor, I have a lot of Spanish-speaking patients. And unfortunately, a lot of the, my Latino patients do have diabetes. And um, what, I guess, my, I guess my big question is, is why, why do we see a um, um, larger numbers of diabetics in the valley? Because, I mean, you mentioned the Latino population, but I think it's just in the entire Central Valley is seeing a lot more diabetic patients. Yeah, I think partly uh, here in the valley, we have a, a big uh, population of patients who are obese or overweight, and that is a big factor, a big contributor to the formation of diabetes. Also, the lack of activity, the lack of exercise is another big factor that influences uh, the progression of diabetes and the complications of diabetes. Um, and if you live on the north end of town, 
where parks are readily available. It's easy to have your children go and exercise. If you live on the south end or some of the areas that are maybe a little bit more dangerous, it's a little bit harder to get out right. and, and walk down to the park or, or play after school. And so a lot of factors come into play, unfortunately, here in the Valley that influence the formation of, of diabetes. Do you, um, now, I want to jump back to type 1 a little bit, and I want to talk about type 2 with children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, ch- a child that could potentially, could potentially develop type 2 as well. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, unfortunately, we're seeing a rise in the number of newly diagnosed uh, adolescents and children with type 2 diabetes. And in this uh, particular population, it has to do mostly with uh, inactivity and their weight. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of obesity um, in this population. And the hard thing to see is that because they're getting diabetes sooner in their life, they're going to have diabetes longer, which means that they're much more, at much higher risk of having complications of diabetes when they're older, mm-hmm. which means their quality of life is probably going to not be as good as the rest of us. So, you know, as you see adolescents and teens start developing type 2, you know, it goes back to that same thing, the diet and exercise piece of it. Um, you know, is that something that, that schools are paying a closer attention to? I just, you know, I go back to when I was in school. I mean, I felt like we ran daily and, you know, we ran around that track every single day. And I just don't think that that's happening as much in schools as it used to be. Why is that? Why, why are the school systems don't seem to be looking into a healthy diet for children and then this more rigorous exercise that I had to endure when I was in Mm -hmm. school. I think there's many factors uh, coming into play there. One is the, there is more attention on academics and preparing the students to pass certain state tests and so forth. And unfortunately, uh, recess has been cut back in a lot of the schools that I hear about from, from students. Uh, also, thankfully, there is a move to introduce more nutritious meals at schools. I'm not sure how successful they're being, but there is a move towards that. Mm-hmm. I think promoting um, physical activity and promoting a good diet, not just at school, but at home, will definitely help us out of this epidemic that we're in right now. Yeah. And I know I have children, and it's, and it's hard to keep them fed nutritionally on a daily basis. I mean, there's just some days I'm just like, all right, I just eat. That's all I care, you know? So I know it gets tough for people, but as they, they grow into adolescence, do you, do you see, do you see many teens probably? I don't see many yeah. teens right now. And the ones that I do see tend to be, um, a little bit healthier. I don't consider myself like a super athlete, but I do run marathons and do a lot of bike rides and triathlons. So I tend to draw a lot of those people who want to get advice on on how to do those activities. So they're already generally healthy. But I know that in the Valley, we have a lot of teens who are overweight and inactive. And those are huge risk factors for for having diabetes. So I I guess, you know, the best advice would be if you are a parent is just really watch the exercise, do the same thing as if you were an adult, um, take out the sodas out of the the house and Mm -hmm. get rid of, you know, have healthy sugars in the house. Um, you know, don't go trick or treating to nine different blocks, you know? (laughs) Um, but, um, is there anything else, any other advice for somebody that, um, 
that thinks that that may have an onset or a family history of, of diabetes that they should be really watching for or making sure. Because you've scared me. I, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound like, um, you know, I, I, I try and remain healthy, but, you know, you kind of get pulled and pushed, pulled and pushed. So there's good right. and bad. If the, you know, do, is there any other advice that you would have? So I think that if you even if you're feeling well, you should definitely have a yearly checkup with your physician and be checked for diabetes. Uh, diabetes checking should be part of your annual exam. And obviously, if you're having symptoms or if you have a family history, it's much more reason to get it checked maybe even every six months, uh, depending on what your previous level was. And then regardless if you have diabetes or not, there's a lot of things that you can do to help yourself so that you don't end up with pre-diabetes down the road and then eventually diabetes. And that includes eating a healthy diet, monitoring your weight, and staying physically active. Uh, and that just goes back to the basics that um, we all have very stressful, hectic lives. And when you make time to care for yourself, you'll get it done mm -hmm. because nobody else is really going to watch out for your health unless you take initiative. Even your doctor, if they don't know what you're going through, may not be able to help you. So it's very important that you as a person uh, watch your diet, your exercise level, and go to your doctor to get checked every year. Okay. Well, thank you for your time. This was great. And Dr. Rodriguez, once again, is a... a I've heard phenomenal things about you over at Kaiser, so I'm really excited mm -hmm. that you're here today. And and if you don't have, if you have an open um, book for more patients, I hope people call you because yeah. it. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity, and it was great to share this information about diabetes because it's such an important topic. Thank you for coming. Mm -hmm.